Hey guys, welcome to the Car Reviewers. I'm David. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about the Mustang Mach 1. And I'm going to be talking about um, Mecham Indy. Okay, are we ready to get in? I'm going to start off right now talking about the Mach 1. And this year, this marks the 17th year since it has been gone. And finally, for 2021, they have decided to bring it back. And it's going to start at um, around $50,000, which that's a pretty hefty price tag. I think for a dressed up Mustang, but it will have 480 horsepower coming out of a five liter V8 with a standard six speed manual transmission from the Shelby GT 350 and um, a 10 speed automatic with paddle shifters available. Um, Bennett, what do you think about this? I know that you were very excited about it and I know I kind of had mixed feelings when I first saw it. Um, I agree with you now. Um, I am having a little bit mixed feelings. Um, the handling package, I believe, which gives you stickier tires and the Shelby GT500 spoiler, um, that package, to me, looks a lot better, especially with the rims that they have on it. Um, to me, rims make a huge difference in whether I like the car or not. I know it's super easy to change. It's just for me, I, I, I judge a lot based on um, what rims look like. Um, I know my grandpa likes to say, and my uncle um rims can tell a lot about a car and i i agree with that i mean if you put some crappy rims on your car you don't really care about it versus if you put the stock ones that you're going to spend a lot of money on um you probably do care about your car same with with tires so i mean i really do like the mach 1 i always love mustang so i'm excited um for it to come out mm-hmm. but i still have um mixed feelings on whether i'm going to like it or not that's something i probably have to see in person um what about you david I, I totally 100% agree, actually. I think I will have to see it in person. I actually, today, earlier today, I was um, at the Ford dealership with our dealer talking a little bit about the new Bronco that will be coming out. And we were trying to place an order, but you can't um, for another month. But we were talking a little bit about this and then the Bronco, and he seemed extremely excited for it. And I know that they were able to see the previews and everything like that. And he said it was going to be definitely a showstopper, but I just, I'm not convinced at this point because it is basically from what I see here, a GT350 with a little bit of added stuff onto it. And I'm not quite sure if I like it yet. So we will both have to see it in person. I totally agree. Yeah. And uh, I think the fact that they're putting parts on the new Mach 1, that have already been used on other performance cars, including the spoiler off of the GT500. The V8, 480 horsepower, uh, five liter V8 is actually out of the bullet Mustang that they uh, have yes. made. So I don't really know how I feel about them using the parts bin again, but mm-hmm. I think that's something that Ford does. It's worked for them in the past. And I mean, hopefully it gets them out of a hole that they're kind of in right now. Yeah, I, I do hope that this will help Ford. Um, the Bronco, I, if the Bronco comes out and it's just pieces out of a parts bin, that's going to make me very unhappy. It, it, from what we've seen, it's going to be an all-new vehicle, and I know we've talked a lot about it. But, you know, as you said, this this was a hastily made car, I think. I think it was quickly put together because they needed to do something and bring back a successful line. So, you know, there probably was a little bit of thought put into it. But then again... On the surface, it looks like an all-new vehicle, but when you start to dig into it like we have been the past couple of days, you will start to see that it is not the same, you know, it's not an all-new Mustang. It's parts from six different Mustangs that they had thrown together and hoped that it would stick. 
And so, I think that's kind of sad, honestly, because the Mach 1 really has a strong reputation of being a performance car that is um, very well liked, especially the 1969 through 70 models. Um, those are probably some of my favorite cars, especially for the performance. I know you can get an R-Code one, which would, uh, would be the high-performance engine, which was rated at 335 horsepower. Um, not, not correct, more like 400 or 450, um, but still high-performing um, engine. And you can get them for sometimes under $50,000. So they're still affordable for a lot of performance. And I really hope that Ford keeps the um, affordability in these Mach 1s. I'm not sure if you have any MSRP data david but i i i do actually so um we have it's gonna they're saying this is all speculation that it will start around fifty thousand, which that's a steep price for a mustang fifty thousand is a lot of money so um and and i just i want to quickly and i know that i was going to talk a little bit about this later on but um i think it's important i'm just going to touch on it now before we get into it a lot of american automotive manufacturers are raising their prices exponentially and i think that's something that we definitely need to talk about because these brands are looked at as you know family affordable cars but it's not affordable anymore you know you have to go out and get a six-figure job if you want to be able to afford some of these cars that are base models so i think that's important that we will talk about that a little more later on but um bennett honestly overall feelings right now what do you think after hearing all the facts um I'm excited. I love Mustangs, and I'm excited for the future of the Mach 1. I am too. I'm excited. I hope that they can make it work. Um, you know, I'm going to be very, very judgy and picky when it does come out and we do a talk a little bit about it. But you know what? We have to be because we were blessed so much in the past, you know, with great stuff coming out of Ford that was completely redesigned and special, you know, specifically for it. And we want that back. So um, we definitely need to keep that in mind. So it's time now for us to play a little bit of a game. And I think Bennett, you want to go first? Uh, Yes. So um, this is a new game um, suggested by one of our viewers. Um, So basically what's going to happen is I'm going to be giving David a newer car and he's going to be giving me an older car. Um, just a little bit about the facts, um, the condition it's in, and then I'm going to have to guess the price of it, and he's going to have to guess the price of it. So um, it's pretty fun, and uh, I'm excited to see I am too. how David uh, <laughs> reacts to the car that I chose. So are you, are you ready? I am. Okay. So uh, I chose for you a 2017 Ferrari F12 Berlinetta. It's not just a Berlinetta. It's a 70th anniversary edition with a one-of-a-kind livery. It's a Ferrari tailor-made car, automatic transmission. It is the only one in the livery. Um, it's one of 350 that were produced, um, one of an estimated 100 for the U.S., uh, 6.3 liter, 731 horsepower V12 with a 7-speed dual-clutch F1 automatic, um, and it does 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds. So what do you think it sold for or it is worth? Can I give you a range, a small range? Yes, yes. Okay. I'm going to say 500 to 650. Ooh, okay. Would you like to know what it sold for last year in August? I would like to know what it sold for last year. Okay, so including the buyer's premium, this was at Mecham's Monterey auction in 2019. It sold for $440,000, which was right in the middle of its estimate uh, of 365 to 435,000. 
So I was I was a little off, but you know what? I I would have bought it for five. If I had five hundred thousand dollars to spend at a car auction, I probably would have bought it because it does sound awesome. Yeah. Okay. What okay. did you choose for me? I went on your kind of end of the spectrum, and I'm not going to tell you a secret about this car until we're done because okay. you should know it. But a 1970 Chevelle SS, it has a um, four-speed transmission, an eight-cylinder engine, 55,000 miles, in excellent condition. And it is a convertible. Okay. Um, can you specify which engine that is? I can, It does not give a specification here, but I can do a double check for you. Okay. okay? Um, for the people that are wondering why I want to know the engine... Um, in a classic car, engines matter a lot. So in the Chevelle, you could get a 396 big block or a 454. The 454s are worth a lot more. So I'm just, I just want to clarify which engine that would be. Okay. So it is a, this is not right. These are incorrect. You know what? I think that it, let me. I mean, you could just choose an engine for me. It's it's gonna say on the side of it, so let me just check it. Okay. okay. Um, oh, that one isn't right. Okay, let's do this one. I actually know the dealer that's selling this car. Okay. And you do too, and you probably will know this car. It's a 1970 um, che- uh, Chevelle. Same situation. It is a 454 LS6 V8. Okay. Four-speed manual, black with white racing stripes. Okay. Now, you know the dealer that's selling this as well. I do too. Uh, is it I, Vanguard? I, no. It might be Van. It is Vanguard, but don't don't go on Vanguard's website to find it because it'll be pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna. So you said it was a convertible or a coupe? It is a coupe, I believe. Okay. Let me. Um, I'm gonna give this one a range of okay. eighty to a hundred thousand. But before you tell me, uh-huh. I'm gonna do a Vanguard price and say it's gonna be one fifteen to one thirty five. It is one oh nine. Right, yeah, pretty close for of your, yeah. pretty close though. That you know what? It is Vanguard, Vanguard price. They always give you an Vanguard extra pricing. ten or twenty thousand of what it's worth. But you know what? Vanguard is a great automotive um, sales company. So definitely check them out if you're looking for any used classic cars. As we said though, you know what? You got to haggle with them a little bit, but they're great people. So you know, check them out definitely, and you will be getting a great car if you do go with them. Yes, they have had some very nice uh, part muscle cars. All right. Um, so now I'm going to do my part of the podcast. And this is going to be talking about my favorite car um, of each day of Meekum Indy. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about them. I have uh, eight cars to go through, um, ranging from different values and different importances uh, and uh, different types of cars. So my first car that I picked was this one Friday. This is going to be July 10th. It is lot number J68. It is a no-reserve 1965 Chevy Malibu Super Sport Convertible. Um, 327 cubing, it's 300 horsepower V8, four-speed. Um, it is offered from an estate collection, um, so it is no-reserve. It's been owned by the same dude for 45 years. Um, the interesting thing about this car is that there is damage to both the right front and rear of the vehicle. So it is in need of a restoration and definitely some body work. I'd say this car is probably going to sell for somewhere around $2,500. So if you're looking for a restoration candidate that is pretty solid and has most of the parts you need, this is a good example. 
Um, if you were to restore this car, it's probably worth around 40000 Um Next up for me, um, definitely a completely different value. This is going to be selling on July 11th. This is Dana Meekum's 1965 Ford GT Competition Prototype Roadster. It is lot number K129. It is GT109 and one of only five Ford GT Competition Prototype Roadsters built, one of two known to exist, and is the only GT Roadster that was raced at Le Mans. The last time we sold, uh, we saw this car, it had a high bid of $10 million, and it is the most expensive car um, at this auction. So I hope they sell it. That would be a new record for Mecham, but most likely it's not going to sell, especially because it is Dana's car, and he loves this one. Um, next up for me, again, different values. This is a really cool and interesting 1961 Toyota FJ25 Land Cruiser. It is wow. lot number L121. It is completely original, um, uh, inline six-cylinder engine, uh, four-speed manner transmission. It has four-wheel drive. It is completely understored. It does need a restoration. has no interior. Um, it does have an engine. I'm not sure if it runs. Probably a five to $7,000 car. I just think it's cool that we're seeing a lot of unrestored and highly original vehicles here at this auction. Um, next up is J or G, excuse me, G113. This is a 1975 Pontiac Firebird. Um, most of the uh, you would know the Trans Am. That would be um, the more higher-end version of this car. It is been restored to look like a Trans Am Special Edition or a Bandit. That would have been the cars that you would have seen in the, in the Bandit movies that were um, done by Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Four-speed. Um, this one is probably going to go for about $25,000, which is a lot cheaper than one of the, um, real, uh, excuse me, Trans Ams would go for. So it's a good buy if you're looking for one. Next up is a 1970 Corvette LT1 coupe. Um, so again, different, um, cars here completely matching numbers, um, LT1 engine, which is kind of rare. We don't really see that does have 87,000 miles. So it has been driven, which we like to see. Um, N21 yeah. close for four speed. It will go for about $40,000. So it is a cheaper LT1 Corvette. Um, probably my third favorite car of the ent entire auction is T182. This is a 1970 Camaro RSSS. Um, has the high performance matching numbers L78 engine, which was 375 horsepower. Um, it is a 396 big block, which I was talking about early on the Chevelle. This would be actually offered in the Chevelle um, in the same year as well, uh, four speed, which we always love to see. This will probably be a seventy to eighty thousand dollar car. Next up um, is F one fifteen for the Mopar fans. This is a sixty nine Hemi Coronet RT. They only built thirty nine of these with an automatic, and one of only ninety seven with all the transmissions. Period correct four twenty six Hemi automatic. This one will probably go for around one hundred twenty five thousand. Um, I really like it for that um, much money. And the last car that I've chosen is a very nice 1957 DeSoto Adventurer convertible. We very rarely see these. They only built 300 of them, so they're extremely rare. Um, Virgil Exner forward look design. He's a great designer. Um, 345 Kimming Inch Hemi with 345 horsepower. Um, dual Carter four barrels, automatic. Um, this one will probably go for around 175 to 200,000. Again, they only built 300 of them, so they're very rare. And um, I really do like them. So uh, any questions for me, David? Um, I actually, I don't, but I am very excited um, about the FJ Land Cruiser because 
we've talked a lot about the new one on the show that I really do like a lot. Um, and then it's just, it's interesting to see all of the different, you know, how, how different the price is, you know, and then looking back at hopefully what it will go for and then seeing, is there a reserve on that? And I know that we did talk about that a little bit. Earlier um, when the FJ? About, yes. The FJ is actually offered at no reserve. It's from an, no it's from a, um, a collection. It's the Dennis Worthy collection. Um, again, I just want to mention to you, David, that this car may or may not run. I'm not sure about that. It okay. is really uh, hard and like has really good patina, which I like. Um, the mm-hmm. interior is completely gutted, so it needs a complete Ooh. new interior. The engine does not have the full setup. Um, I don't think it has a radiator. Um, it has rags that are inside. So I think you should go and take a look at it. It's really cool. I, and I'll I, make I definitely sure to get will. a picture of it. Um, this would probably be, this would be, and I know um, you know, but I don't know if our viewers know, I really like old car, um, like art, you know, like if I do, but if I were to buy a car like that, I probably would leave it unrestored and just have it Me too. to look at because it's so interesting. And, you know, to know that somebody did drive that at one point and had fun with it is 10 times, adds 10, tenfold to the story, definitely. Definitely. So, are we ready to um, finish up with my last segment? Uh-huh. Right. We, I guess we both have our uh, last segment. Our closing segment, yes. So, um, as some of you guys know, my family's been shopping for a car for a little while. I've been talking about it a little bit on the show, and we've been looking at different stuff, me and Bennett, together. And it brought up the question, why are American cars so expensive all of a sudden? And I know that this has been a steady increase since – the late 90s, early 2000s, when we started to introduce all these luxury SUVs into the market coming out of Detroit. Um, So we started looking at some automotive manufacturers that weren't in Detroit because they were considering the same prices for both. So we were looking at a Ford Explorer. And if we were going with the Ford Explorer that we liked, which was probably the ST model um, for obvious reasons, it was going to be in the neighborhood of low to mid fifties. And we're like, that's crazy for a Ford, you know? So we started to look other, other places and we ended up finding one that we did like from BMW, but you know, I'm a big Ford guy. My family has been involved with Ford for years, you know, and it hurt definitely to leave the brand, but it's just, it's, it's so expensive these days. And I want to get your opinion, Bennett, because I know, you're as well a huge Ford guy. You're a big Mopar guy. You're a big, you know, made Detroit guy like I am. And it's just, it's, it's hard to see people leaving these brands for foreign companies because they'll last longer in most cases. And they're just more inexpensive and they're easier to maintain. Um, yeah, I know uh, we definitely had a uh, argument about this. I don't want to say an argument, but we had a discussion <laughs> um, about this the other day. And I think we both have different opinions on, uh, and I think we probably could talk all day about it, but my view is I'm always going to go with the Fords, the Chevys, and the Mopars. I'm not a Chevy guy, but I'd rather have a Chevy than a Toyota personally. Just for me, I'd rather support a American automaker rather than a foreign. Um, I know you definitely are a still a made in Detroit and made in America yeah. guy, but I, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's just for me, I don't buy a new car to last me 10 years. 
or more than that because basically I'll be selling it by then probably most likely I don't know I don't know how I'm yeah. going to be how successful I'm going to be in the future hopefully mm-hmm. tons and we can do this show and I'll have my <laughs> Lamborghini and my we'll have fun. 4 yeah. GT and we can have fun yeah. with that but um yeah I'd much rather have um that Ford Explorer rather than a um BMW that, but that's my thing what do you feel and, you know, I want to get our viewers' opinions as well. So please, please send something in below, DM us on Instagram, whatever, and talk to us about what you think in this argument. And this could go on, as Bennett said, forever. But I just wanted to shed a little bit of light because I, I still want to support American automotive manufacturers, and we still are work, as I said, ordering a Bronco. But um, it's – and we, we will do videos and stuff about that when it gets here. But it's – it makes it hard to support an American brand when they're charging two times what a foreign brand would charge, you know, for the same, for lesser quality, you know, in some cases, not all cases. I'm and, very, very, as I said, big main Detroit guy, but it's just, it's, it makes it hard because, you know, I don't know what I want to do. And this is a very controversial topic, as you know, but um, I'm proud of where I come from. I'm proud that you know of Detroit and I'm proud of you know all of our workers and stuff working on the Ford lines and stuff like that but you know it there comes to a point where money is a little bit more important to worry about maybe than supporting something that you just don't feel as comfortable with anymore Um, and and again I want to get your opinion on this because I really want to continue supporting local manufacturers and automotive makers because it's important and i'm proud as i said of where i come from but yeah uh um we we lost you for a little bit there but um i think i think we all get the gist of what you i we i think we all understand what you're saying at least i do yeah um so i i understand what you're saying and i think one of the reasons maybe i'm not don't harp, harp on me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that i have any like facts to back this up but I feel like one of the reasons that we might be seeing the foreign countries be a lot less expensive is because the workers are getting paid a lot less than, it, and they're not having be. the same conditions because they're, they're being probably made in China and mm-hmm. places that yeah, no, don't no, have the that's... same um, structure as us. And they're probably third world countries like Malaysia being put into it and I just feel like that might be one of the reasons why. And I think Ford is trying to, um, especially Ford, is trying to keep all the jobs in America, which I personally agree with. I support Ford 100%. I am not saying anything bad about Ford. I'm not, you know, trying to boycott Ford or anything like that. And I love Ford. Um, It's provided a very, very nice situation for everybody, you know, in Michigan. But there is... Um, a different situation you you were saying that you know bmws are all made overseas which that's not true um and same with subaru same with um volkswagen all these brands are made in south carolina or in kentucky so subaru's new new, subaru has a new product or not new it's been there for years now since early 2000s has a production facility in um kentucky i believe it is and then BMW has a production facility for all their SUVs. As we, this debate could go on forever about um, the situation. And there, 
there are production facilities all around the country now for these foreign automotive manufacturers. And we, we have a Hyundai facility right down the street from us that's producing vehicles or not producing vehicles, but um, like working on designs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to support American automotive manufacturers. And I'm proud, as I said, of where I came from and, you know, of Detroit and of all the people here. But it just it makes it really, really challenging when these brands are charging outrageous numbers for a card that you know probably isn't worth that and, and i get you know these are tough times for the city these are tough times for everybody and for all the automotive manufacturers and getting you know suppliers and stuff like that all lined up again is not going to be easy and but you know ford is the largest um hourly employer in the world and are in the in the U.S. and that's just that's something that we should definitely be proud of, and I will support that until I die. You know that Ford is a great brand, and that's why you know I'm getting a Bronco because I would like one that will destroy any Jeep you put it up against because it will, and I have no doubt it's going to be one of the best cars that ever comes out of Ford. But it's you know these are trying times definitely for everybody. So mm-hmm. well, I um, I understand. Um... I, I can I can I understand even more now that you're saying that and I and I, I, I can agree with you to some point but at the same time to me one of the reason biggest reasons that I like American automakers is I like the styling of cars I don't like the styling of BMWs nearly as much as I like the styling of a Ford Expedition mm-hmm. or a Ford Explorer I don't like Subarus I to me they are nasty ugly cars same with mm-hmm. Toyota and Land Rover. They're okay. But just to me, it's just, we all like different cars. And so well, we I do, think and... that may be one of the reasons that we're disagreeing. Because mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't really like BMW cars. I like Fords. I like Chevys. I like Mopar. So yeah. that's that's where I'm basing my standoff mostly. And, and I mean, I might change it in five years because I don't have the money to buy a used car or a new car. So, Yeah. We, we all come from, we, we, we both come from different sides of the line here. And we're, we're both talking about totally different situations too. And we both like different things. And that's why this makes this show so fun is because our viewers all like different things as well. So some people might be on my side for this argument and so, some people might be on better side for the argument. And I totally get that. But with conclusion of this segment, I want to say that, you know, we support all the automotive manufacturers in Detroit. They're trying to get back up on their feet. And I understand this is not an easy time for all the manufacturers, all the employees, all of the hourly workers. So, um, you know, we are hoping it'll get back to normal for all of you guys and it'll get better as this continues on. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. um, Before we wrap up, um, I have my uh, final little topic and this is actually about pickup trucks. So, um, anybody who really follows the classic car market or the collector car market knows that in the recent years, trucks have been the, the hottest things for a while, um, along with SUVs. So they kind of go hand in hand with being the more expensive ones. I think right now, trucks are the more expensive ones. I think that's probably because they've been a collector vehicle for quite some time now, probably about five, ten years. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because um yesterday which is thursday june 18th right i think so okay okay 18th 
Um, Mecom Auctions, um, I talk about them. I love their um, company. That's probably my favorite auction company. You'll hold me. You'll hear me talk a lot about Mecom, but um, they had a um, tractor and truck auction that I was talking about last week on the podcast. So a as a follow up, I wanted to talk about probably the nicest truck that they had um, at the auction. And this was lot number K5. It was a actual no reserve 1951 Chevrolet Napco three quarter ton. Now, most of you probably have never heard of Napco. They were a conversion, basically. So they converted your Chevy truck to a 4x4. You could also get these um, on Chevy Suburbans, I want to say, and um, Chevy Wagons, which I think are awesome. The Chevy Wagons are extremely, extremely expensive, sometimes into the two hundred dollars to $300,000 range basically because they only build a handful of them. Now, this is a short bed 3600 truck. Uh, we're built 235 cubic inch, six cylinder, five window. It's got a frame off restoration, 12 volt system. Everything is period. Very nice restoration. It's probably one of the nicest Napco trucks we've seen. And the reason I'm talking about this is because we actually saw this truck last year at Indy in 2019. It sold for around $50,000, um, not including the buyer's premium. And yesterday, uh, the Thursday, the same truck sold for $70,000, not including the buyer's premium. So it went up 20 grand within one year, which I thought was something that we needed to talk about because $20,000 in one year is $20,000. And crazy. I mean, he, the dude who bought the car and sold it, I'm going to say he probably only made about 1000 or $2,000. But I mean, really, you don't buy a car as an investment yeah. usually. You buy it because you like it. And I think that is a mindset that this dude had. And the fact that he sold it at no reserve, I think is great because he wanted somebody to get it and he want, he brought it there to sell, which I think is really cool. So um, what do you think about that truck, well, David? So I, I think the truck is awesome, but you know, for me, every single thing that I ever look at is going to be a business opportunity. So um, definitely with this situation, I personally would have helped onto it for a little while just until you know for a few years because a year of owning a car is not a long time especially if you have a major collection because you're not going to drive that car every day or you're not going to see it every day for that reason and i actually i heard a second i want all of our viewers to do this okay because i want our viewers to have the car that they want to have not the car that they have to have or the car that they're forced to have okay can, so you, re can when, you repeat that we lost you for a second oh sorry so I want all of our viewers to have the car that they want to have, not the car that they have to have. Okay. So I think it's important if, if within their means, I'm not saying, you know, go out and buy a Ferrari or something, but if you have wanted a Mustang your entire life and you can afford it now, go and buy a Mustang because you only live once a, and then also when you walk out into your garage, I want you to walk back into your house. Okay. And if you turn around to look at that car one last time before you go into your house, that means that you actually are dedicated and you love that car that you bought. If you don't go back and you don't turn around and look one more time before you walk in your door, it's not the car for you. Okay. So never let yourself be talked into a car by a salesperson, especially not on the lot. And you need to keep in mind when you do go to buy a car, and I know I'm going off and do a whole spiel here. When you do go to buy a car, when you go onto that lot, don't pull the trigger that day, go one day and then come back the next day and actually start talking about it because you need that night to decide because dealers can pressure you into something and you'll feel obliged to go with them. 
So never sign any paperwork, never put a deposit down your first day looking, unless it's something crazy special that you know that you need to have that you've been talking about for years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely, I completely agree. The same thing with classic cars, and um, uh, the fact that you brought up the um, what you want to have and what our viewers want to have. Um, I would like to get into the social media here before we uh, go and say, send us, DM us the car that you would like to have. I'm gonna put up a poll on Instagram, but I would love to know which cars that you want to have when you grow up. What's your three car garage or whatever one car garage even even if you can only only like one car so i love to hear I'd people's say, dream cars so i'd say before we go about it you know what we need to do we need to do our top three dream cars for our garage and this this you know will change for me every single week when we do it but oh my god so i i think that um before we go we need to do our top three dream cars okay? i agree so first off, let's do this, okay? Okay. Let's you go with your top three dream cars for your garage. Okay. And we're gonna do it like this, okay? One practical, one fun, and one winter car that you know you need to have to carry your family around in or something. Okay. Okay. Is there a budget? There's no budget. Okay. Um. So for me, practical. Um. This is gonna be like a summer daily driver. I would love to own a Mercedes AMG GTS. That is something I've always wanted, and I've wanted one for a long time. And I think that would be a cool little practical car that you can drive around for fun to get ice cream and to go and go to dinner at a fancy dinner and get away with it. But I think it's also just a cool little daily driver. For wintertime, got to go with a Jeep Trailcat. Love them. And that is probably one of my favorite Jeeps that they've ever made. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Trailcat. Okay. And then, okay. um, you said there was one car that you just really like. One that you just you know that you you want to have you know just like a practical daily driver. Well, I already know, I already did car. the practical daily driver. Well, like a Trailcat's not a practical no, I said daily the AMG driver. GTS. I, I, an AMG GTS is a practical daily driver. Come on. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it's only got 500 oh, horsepower. It does have four wheel drive. I'm pretty sure. Fine. So. Fine. My dream, but my dream car is a '71 Hemi Cuda convertible. That's been my dream car for a while, and okay. if I have the money, I'm gonna buy one because I know that is something that I will like forever. It will never ever ever go down in value, and that there, it's if I can find one for really a really good price, you gotta snatch it up because you never find them, and they 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 are the holy grail of Mopar muscle cars. I. I would have to agree. You have got me into liking Hemi Cuda convertibles. And I didn't before. I didn't even really care about them before. But you know what? Since we started doing this show, I started looking at them and I really like them. So let's get into my garage now. And this is going to be totally different. But I'm going to have to do for my practical daily driver something, you know, I can go out and get into and I won't feel, you know, bad driving around in is probably a um just a mercedes e-class coupe okay something you know kind of nice but also in a way sort of basic compared to what you were doing um and then i think i'd have to go my family hauler you know but nicer i'd have to do either a mercedes wagon an e-class wagon or i probably would go with 
a Range Rover, just a Range Rover. Um, it doesn't have to be like an HSV or anything like that, just a basic Range Rover. Um, and then for my fun winter snow kind of car, I'm going to go with a 2021 Ford Bronco with the beadlock wheels and then the fully updated interior with all of the high-end stuff and then a um there's a company called dana that works with um uh they do axles right axles yeah they do axles and i would have to definitely go with dana suspension dana axles and then crazy crazy tires i think i'd have to do b lock obviously wheels and stuff like that but it would have to be very very good tires and lifted and stuff like that even though it's already going to be crazy lifted and awesome um so I don't know. I maybe I didn't catch it, but what was your like your one car that you just really really want to have? Like my Hemi Cuda. Oh, oh yes. Um, my one car I really want to have probably a Bentley Continental. And you know that I've always wanted a Bentley since we've been talking about this, and it's always been my. And it has to be though, because this is there's a reason behind this. We'll get to this another time, but it has to be like the light baby blue okay and that's a whole nother story another episode but thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode this is a special episode you got to actually get into our heads a little bit um and hear what you're talking about follow us on instagram check us out on youtube um bennett do you have anything else you have to say before we go um no not really um and i'm glad that you guys stuck with us and uh hey uh, i saw this on youtube the other day so i think this is cool Uh Um, DM us, hashtag the car reviewers, if you listen the whole way through. Okay? Yes, I totally I wanna agree. See who, I want to see who listened all the way through. I do. And, and if you did listen the whole way through, and you, you can even leave a comment down below if you listen the whole way through. But if you did listen the whole way through, and you're one of our followers on our Instagram page on this, on YouTube as well, we will do a featured post on Instagram of your favorite car and we'll tag you below. Okay. That sounds good. It does. So we will see you guys later. Have a great weekend here and we'll talk to you next week. I want to clarify just before we end next week is the end of the season, end of the season. And we will resume on, which is a July 9th. July 9th and the 9th is a very special episode because that is the day that they're going to be releasing the Ford Bronco. So we will be doing a live stream. Oh no, on I'm sorry. Instagram. It is July 10th. July 10th. Okay. So the July 9th is the day they will be rely- um, releasing the Bronco. So we will be doing a live stream on Instagram just to talk a little bit about that five, 10 minutes. Go check it out. And we and will also be doing a live we'll stream from Meekum Indy too. Just want to. Yes, we will. Just want to bring that up. Um, Anyway, (laughs) it's getting to be a long episode. Thank you for watching, and we are the car Thank you for watching, yes. Bye.